Destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is called Podcast. If you're a drug dealer and the cops come and shoot you, relax. They only do it in Bangladesh and the Philippines these days, but uh, the program is podcast when you come out of hospital. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. If you want to know what is all about, Anarchist Society is a voluntary non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures based on equal decision-making power. That's direct democracy. It's a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. Why those two principles? Very simple. Anarchos without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? You break down hierarchy. How do you break down hierarchy? Through forming uh, institutions and relationships between the community which are based on direct democratic principles and holding wealth in common. You break down inequalities in power and wealth. That is the key to creating an anarchist community. Now, uh, if you're not interested, fair enough. If you're interested, hang on to your seat. We do have a program today. Now, if during the program you're called away, nature calls, the drug dealer next door needs a cup of sugar, your elderly neighbour needs to be taken to hospital, don't despair. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's to 3cr.org.au. Now, regular listeners will know that this program comes out of the Studios Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne. And we'll be having a special radio font edition on the 13th of June for the listeners in Melbourne, but we'll also have a special non-radio fund edition for all our listeners, all our other listeners via the Community Radio Network across Australia on the 13th of June. So if you are a, you know, if you want to support the anarchist world this week and you want a legal legitimate tax deduction like the rich and powerful, you know, go to the website 3cr.org.au and uh, you can see how you can uh, support the Keeping Radical Community Radio Stations on air. Now, let's move on. I think today we'll tackle a disease. There is a disease which is more dangerous than Ebola. That's uh, doing the rounds around the world, especially in Australia. We seem to have a very virulent form of this disease and you can't vaccinate against it, unfortunately. I mean, the only way to kind of uh, 
get over this disease is to take a U-turn, a cultural U-turn, a political U-turn, a social U-turn. It's about changing direction. And I'd like to try to draw the purse strings together. I'd like to try draw the strings of the purse together just to highlight the devastation this disease is calling, causing in Australia, not just physically, mentally, emotionally and intellectually, but in terms of the type of society we've become and the profound impact it's having on our children and grandchildren. That's right. It is a huge disease. And I'll, and I'll go through it slowly. I'm sure you've maybe you've worked it out. I mean, it's one of these secret diseases which uh, very few people talk about. Now, we'll start off with uh, electricity generation. Now, we all know electricity generation is an issue around the country, and we all know there's the battle between those who still believe, who still want, let's forget about believing. We don't do beliefs on the anarchist world this week. We deal in real news, not fake news. Who still want carbon emissions, who still want a coal-fired power industry. And then you've got those new people who want to use renewable, sustainable, non-CO2-emitting generation uh, facilities like, uh, you know, possibly uh, wind, tidal, solar, and the list goes on and on. So there's this little battle between these two groups. And then we have these dire warnings in a country as rich as Australia of... uh, electricity power power blackouts and the devastating impact a power blackout can actually have on a community which is technologically, uh, you know, uses technology. It's the very essence, you know, if the uh, power goes off, you can't put any petrol in your car, you can't pay for anything, the list goes on and on. You can't heat the house, you can't cook unless you've got a bit of wood in the backyard. And then we look at the who's providing, who's providing this power. And we note that in Australia, especially in New South Wales and Victoria and a number of the other states, that the major electricity generation facilities are privately owned. Not only are the facilities privately owned, but the lines are privately owned. And the companies which distribute that power are privately owned. So we have this stop-start system where every level of the system needs a bit of cream in order to be profitable. And it's a privately owned monopoly we're told that, oh, it's all about competition, but how do you get people competing regarding power lines? Or the fact that they're selling energy. It's already been produced somewhere else. So here we have a clear example of the problems associated with privatisation. Instead of having a central authority with, obviously, 
devolving responsibility to the states as we are a federation in Australia to provide an essential service which is fundamental, fundamental to the running day-to-day life in this country, you begin to understand what happens when an essential service is carved up and basically given to a whole host of privately owned corporations, many overseas owned, who are all fighting to make a buck at the consumer's expense. So with a privatised energy system, you've got the problem with those sections of the industry which are being phased out are struggling to become remain relevant for another decade or two as another sector which is struggling to become relevant the sustainable energy sector you know flexes its muscles so there's no over, there's no overall plan and no wonder a country as rich as australia with such a small population finds itself looking at blackouts and major disruption to the community and individuals in this community because over the last four decades as a community we have swallowed the bait that privatised industries are the only industries which can deliver a profit and deliver a service efficiently. efficiently. So if you are having issues regarding CO2 emissions and lack of actions on CO2 emissions in Australia and you're having issues regarding escalating electricity prices and if you are having issues regarding energy security and if you are having issues regarding access to power, maybe you should look at privatisation as the virus, as the disease which has landed us in this situation. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's look at the question of homelessness. The question of housing affordability. Housing affordability has become a real issue in this country. Not in terms of people just being homeless, but in terms of people spending more and more of their income, whether through rent or mortgage payments, keeping a roof over their heads, and the instability caused to the community because people's housing situations aren't stable. The inability of families to actually form roots in communities is one of the main reasons that we see an increase in anxiety, depression and social dislocation in our our community. So what's happening? 
to the public housing sector across this country. We're almost to a woman and a man. Every state government in this country and the federal government have basically written off the public housing sector. They've strangled it. They've strangled it of funds. And in New South Wales and Victoria, which I'm familiar with, we are seeing the wholesale privatisation of the public housing sector so that accommodation, finding suitable accommodation, becomes a private matter because the whole housing sector is now dominated by the private marketplace, whether it's through having to get raise money to obtain a private mortgage to buy a property. And it's not unusual in the major capital cities, especially on the uh, East Coast, to pay over a million dollars for a standard property in 2018, which when you think of wages, it's a little bit difficult to sustain, especially if interest rates go up over the next decade or so, which most likely they will. So we've got this potential for marvellous Melbourne and marvellous Sydney to become not marvellous Melbourne and not marvellous Sydney in the near future. Then you have the issue of young people not being able to enter the housing market unless they've got the the bank of mum and dad behind them and many Australians do not have the bank of mum and dad behind them, especially if they're mum and dads or their carers or the people who've looked after them are honest, hard-working people who pay their taxes and don't use this country's investment-friendly laws to minimise their taxation to such a rate that they don't actually pay taxation legally. So there's that. Think of that. Big issue. Huge issue. So housing... We can see what the virus of privatisation is doing to the housing sector, how it's driving up rents, how it's driving up housing prices, how it's causing social dislocation, how it's causing angst, a little bit of anxiety and pressure in our society. Again, if you don't have a strong, if you don't have a, you know, if in a capitalist society you don't have a mixed economy, a mixture of both public and private sector, you know, competing in the same marketplace, what you see today is a direct consequence, again, of that virus, that disease, privatisation, which is eaten away at the very essence of what it is to be a citizen or a permanent resident in this country. So there you are. Let's move on. Let's move on. It gets better. Let's look at gas. We will be, in the next two to three years, the major gas exporter on planet Earth. Think about it. We'll be overtaking Qatar, which is currently the major gas exporter on planet Earth. And although gas belongs to the people of this country, what successive governments have done is 
given exclusive rights to private corporations to exploit those supplies for almost nothing. Almost nothing. So we find ourselves in a situation when you talk about energy security, which I started off the program with, that we can't even get enough gas to actually supply the needs of 25 million people. Not 100 million, not a billion, but 25 million people living on this continent. And in Victoria, which I'm familiar with currently, they're going to build a gas pipeline against, you know, across agricultural, productive agricultural land in order to have a ship dock outside Hastings where gas will be imported from Singapore to Australia, although we're mass exporters of gas. Again, this is due to the privatisation of our natural resources, of allowing the private sector the privilege of exploiting natural resources which belong to the Commonwealth, the people of this country, because everything that belongs under the ground, when you buy a piece of property, you own what's above the ground. You don't own what's below the ground. What is below the ground is owned by the government of the day. And as our representatives, they have made political decisions to allow private corporations to dominate that field of human endeavour. And when you create monopolies and give them exclusive power to exploit natural resources, what do you get? Nothing. Nothing in return. So again, the disease of privatisation, that virulent virus, is again having major impacts on our society. And when you've got a government which believes that the public money, money that is raised through the taxation system, is basically there to grease and oil the private sector, you have a, an issue, you have a problem. I'll give you another example. Now, we all know that the Great Barrier Reef, for a variety of reasons, is having a difficult time. And we all know that human intervention has contributed to those problems. And we all know that human intervention may be able to deal with those problems. Now, the federal government has just announced a plan to give almost $400 million to a privately owned foundation, the Great Barrier Reef Foundation, which is to a significant degree subsidised through the private and corporate sector, $380 million to manage the Great Barrier Reef without calling for tenders. That's right. Here's a gift to our foundation nobody's ever heard of, the Great Barrier Reef Foundation, which I understand may have ploughed in 8 or $9 million back into the Barrier Reef over the last few years, saying here's $380 million, you use it as you see fit to keep the Great Barrier Reef happy. So even when it comes to environmental management, 
we have seen the privatisation of government's responsibility, because governments theoretically act on our behalf, to look after the environment in this country. And this scene is repeated ad nauseum across the country. Ad nauseum. Let's move on. Let's move on to Abbott's greatest uh, economic uh, initiative. The privatisation of Medibank Private for about $4.5 billion. This was a organisation which was giving money back to society through, ta- you know, through profits, $100, $150 million a year, into the taxation pool, which was government-owned, which provided an insurance system for people who had the disposable income to privately insure themselves so they could use the private medical system. And this organisation had been going, this public organisation had been going for over almost 40 years since the introduction of uh, Medicare or in those days it was called Medibank, I think it was in 1974. Okay? Now we have the situation with the privatisation of Medibank Private that we have seen all these major issues which has occurred because of privatisation, where we see the private health insurance industry, which is not self-sufficient. It relies on a $6 billion government subsidy every year to look after the healthcare needs of the 54% of Australians who, you know, who take out private health insurance. $6 billion subsidy, who are now finding that when they use the private health system, they are facing the spectre of forking out thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars for each admission. This wasn't an issue when we had a strong competition between the privately owned funds and Medibank Private, which is nationally owned. Again, we see the situation Again, we see the virus, the disease, privatisation, creating social dislocation and issues for an increasing number of Australians. Let's move to our airports. Airports were public property until they were privatised by the Howard government. Today... What we have is a corporate monopoly who set prices, not just for people who use airports, but also the carriers who use the airports, the aircraft uh, companies that use the airports, and the people who rent space in airports, that set prices that that give them a profit which goes far beyond what would have occurred if these airports continue to be in public hands. And when it comes to putting money back into improving facilities or expanding facilities, we're told there's never enough money. 
because that money goes back to the private sector. So once again, we are seeing the disease of privatisation creating social issues and financial difficulties for an increasing number of Australians. Now, I could go on and on for the next half hour of this program looking at the impact that privatisation has had on our society in the past four decades. And in the majority of cases, it has been a negative impact. For example, I'll give you another example. We don't have a government-owned or a nationalised pharmaceutical industry in this country. So if the current flu season in, you know, full bore, what do we find? There are not enough flu vaccines in the country to provide protection for those people who voluntarily decide to have a flu shot again. Because we rely on the private sector, which relies on making a profit uh, to provide a service, again, you've got a problem. We move on to superannuation. Let's look at superannuation, the biggest con since time immemorial, introduced by Paul Keating, Paul Keating government. I think it was 1996 or was it 1992? I think it was 1996. Compulsory superannuation. I mean, it's all the news today. It won't be the news in 48 hours because we tend in this country to, you know, rely on debated minutiae. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscar. I'm hosting today's program. If you'd like to leave a comment, 0439 395 489. Yes, you can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Not that we get much many letters these days. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Other websites and Facebook pages you may find useful. Defend and Extend Public Housing Facebook page, and I'll talk about that in a minute. The Toscano for the Public, which is my personal Facebook page, which actually looks at the issues I'm interested in personally. Toscano for the, for the Public. You can go to the Ellen Jose Memorial Foundation Facebook page to see what the Memorial Foundation, uh, which is set up in the... Uh, set up to uh, protect the uh, artistic and uh, legacy of my late wife, Ellen Jose, who died uh, almost a year ago. You can see what the foundation is doing to actually improve people's lives. You can go to the Public Interest Before Corporate Interests web webpage, pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net, P-I-B-C-I dot net. And if you want to join public interest before corporate interest, download the application form, pipsy, P-I-B-C-I dot net. And the list goes on and on. So if you are just uh, put uh, my name in your search engine, you can uh, come across a lot of the uh, websites that are relevant to what we are talking about today. So let's get back to superannuation. Fascinating, isn't it? Fascinating. Now, we have a future fund in this country. That is a fund where money is invested to look after the needs 
of the population in the future. It's a very small fund in comparison. Now, when superannuation was set up in 1996, it was set up with one purpose, to provide funding for the private and corporate sector. Currently, there's over $2.7 trillion of your money in superannuation funds which are managed. Some are not-for-profit, some are for-profit, some are industry-based, some are not industry-based. But the ultimate responsibility of these these superannuation funds, their ultimate function is to invest your money for the future. And when it comes to investments in a capitalist society, these investments occur in the stock market, the property market, to a significant degree. Obviously, there's other types of investment. But again, it was created in such a way as for this huge amount of money to remain in the hands of the private sector. Now, in Norway, which has a very, very good future fund, profits which are made from the country's resources go into that future fund. In Singapore, money which is collected in compulsory superannuation is managed by a government fund, which then invests. For example, if you're an Optus customer in Australia, profits that are made, because Optus is wholly owned by Singapore retirees. So profits that are made here in this country go back to look after the needs of Singapore retirees. Now, in this country, we could have structured in such a way as to ensure that superannuation remained in the hands of a central government authority which could then invest on behalf of contributors in different things. It could invest in infrastructure. It could provide seeding funding for cooperatives and collective to you know, create a, a new economic system. There are many ways that it could have invested. And, and, and so instead of... Instead of us as superannuants being reliant on the dividends which privately owned corporations make in order for us to invest in those companies, in order to fund our future, pay for our own old age. That's the beauty of senior appropriation. It's pay as you go. You pay for your own old age. The state doesn't, you know, help you. And then what about the fact that Many people who are not in the paid workforce are not part of the superannuation system and will be faced with a life of poverty in their old age. So again, we see the scourge of privatisation, of allowing resources, whether it's financial resources, mineral resources, human resources, to be kept in the hands of a privately owned organisation. So this is not the way it has to be. People say, well, it's the only way. Corporations, capitalism causes competition. Competition increases efficiency. Well, you don't have competition if you have monopolies. You don't have efficiencies if you have so many private organisations in a particular space, like in the energy uh, provision space. 
you get wastage. Or in the superannuation space, $4 billion every year wasted on unnecessary fees to privately owned corporations. So the list goes on and on. So what I'm trying to highlight is we are faced with a major disease. And we are now reaping the harvest of allowing that disease, the privatisation of state-owned resources, community-owned resources, into the hands of the private sector, delivering them into the hands of the private sector, we are now reaping, we are reaping those dividends in terms of community dislocation, in terms of anxiety, in terms of stress, in terms of depression, in terms of violence, in terms of having not even having enough time to enjoy your life. Think about it. And it doesn't have to be that way. We are human beings. We are capable of creating different types of institutions to look after our needs, not just as individuals but as a community. And if a Martian came down today and looked at the type of economic system which is dominating activity in this country, they would just roll their eyes back and say, how primitive. How primitive. How disgusting. How pathetic. And you know what's really pathetic is that we have allowed the state of affairs to continue and we continue to allow it when I hear a pensioner talk to me about the benefits of decreasing corporate taxes I understand how these ideas have now almost become part of the DNA of this society the fact that it's only the private sector that can deliver things efficiently, that it's only the private sector that can do it economically, that it's only the private sector that can do it well, well, it doesn't. And the privatisation virus needs to be contained and it needs to eventually be eradicated. You listen to The Anarchist World this week broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Scarum, host of today's program. Now, people keep asking me, are you still having those dinners at the Conjo Ethiopian Restaurant across the road from Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne at 20 Smith Street in Fitzroy at 6pm every Wednesday night? Yes, I am. And I'll continue them till about November at this stage. It's a good chance for listeners coming to the city to uh, have a chat about what's on their minds in a, in a, uh, an atmosphere which is conducive to discussion, a little bit of fun, a little bit of satire. Come along, welcome. As long as you pay for your own food and drinks, it's yours. You're welcome. 6pm every Wednesday night, Conj Ethiopian Restaurant, 20 Smith Street, Collingwood, Melbourne, across the uh, radio station from where I broadcast Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne. Now, I'd just like to remind you that June the 3rd is Mabo Day. Why is Mabo Day important? Well, Reconciliation Week, which is almost passed unnoticed, you may have noticed this week, 
almost passed unnoticed. Reconciliation Week begins on National Sorry Day, the 26th of May, and it ends on Marbo Day, the 3rd of June. Now, it's good to see that this year that the Australian Capital Territory had a public holiday for Reconciliation Day. Maybe it's something that, uh, you know, Reconciliation Week gives people time to reflect. So what's important about Marbo Day? Why celebrate? Why celebrate something that happened 26 years ago? See, when Australia was invaded and colonised on the 26th of January 1788, the British colonisers acted as if this land was uninhabited. Terra nullis. Terra nullius. Terra nullius. Over 60,000 years of civilization was swept aside in an orgy of destruction that resulted in the violent dispossession of people who had a long and fruitful association with this land. For 204 years, the legal fiction... That's right, 204 years. Centuries. The legal fiction of Terranullius, the land of no one, was used to legally reward the murderers, the rapists, the exploiters who colonised this land, although the original inhabitants never ceded their sovereign rights over this land. In eighteen eighty, sorry, nineteen eighty two, nineteen eighty two, three traditional owners from the island of Mur in the eastern Torres Strait, Eddie Koiki Mabo, Father Passy, and Grandfather Rice, set in train a series of events that began in the Queensland courts and ended in the High Court of Australia that overturned the doctrine that Australia was unoccupied terra nullius at the time of the British invasion. Let's not remember. Let's remember that at the time of the British invasion, it estimated almost 2 million Indigenous Australians had successfully lived on this continent and the islands around this continent for over 60,000 years. The High Court of Australia ruled on the 3rd of June 1992 that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders had interests in land and water, and that those interests in land and water survived the assertion of sovereignty by the Crown. Now, those of you who are old enough to remember the judgment, and I am, the judgment caused consternation among Australia's landowners. It didn't take long for the spirit and the letter of the judgment to be buried in bucket loads of extinguishment by successive federal governments. Now, it's very popular these days, you know, to uh, criticise the decision because it didn't go far enough. Obviously it didn't go far enough, but to a significant degree, it's a little bit like the Federal Family Court, and I'll talk about that in a minute. If you don't legislate to make the judgement a reality, things aren't going to turn out as you think they're going, are they? 26 years after the High Court judgment gave Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders the rights to land in law, the question of sovereign rights, the extent of native title and a need for a treaty between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians continues despite attempts by successive federal governments to bury that issue in bucket loads of extinguishment. It continues to be the single most important impediment to reconciliation between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians. So... 
If you're around on Sunday the 3rd of May and you're in Melbourne, there's a few things happening to celebrate Barbo Day. Uh, some have been organised by the Alan Jose Memorial Foundation. Now, Alan Jose, a Torres Strait Islander, who lived in, in uh, Melbourne for over 40 years, celebrated Marbo Day for over 20 years. She had a little gathering, she organised a little gathering on the 3rd of June in Federation Square to celebrate that day, to ensure that even in the far-flung corners of the colony of Australia, that day was celebrated. And since 2002, she celebrated that day with her friends, family, supporters. And we will continue that tradition this year. And we will meet at the corner of Flinders and St Kilda Road this Sunday, Federation Square, midday, And we normally have family members speak and then an open microphone to see what people there who've made the effort feel. Now, there are two functions that afternoon. The Koori Heritage Trust has organised something between 2 and 4pm. Look up their website uh, at uh, Federation Square Edge. And the Alan Jose Memorial Foundation has organised a gathering at the Melbourne Unitarian Peace Church at 110 Gray Street, East Melbourne, starting at 2pm, going to 5pm. Uh, Bernard Namox Jr.'s film, Carrying the Flag, which gives the history of the Torres Strait Islander flag and the involvement his father had in creating that flag. That film will be shown at the Melbourne Unitarian Peace Church on Marbo Day. Dapul Sampari the West Papuan uh, Catering Group will be providing food that afternoon. Um, there will be uh, folk folk singers and the Kuri Kuri Kuru Kuru uh, Dance Group uh, will be uh, dancing. It's free entry. Donations will be appreciated because everything costs, but it's free entry. So pop along. You've got a chance to celebrate Marbo Day. You can't celebrate it here. The Torres Strait Authority has a public holiday in uh, the Torres Strait. Anywhere around Australia, it's on a Sunday, have a picnic. Put up a Torres Strait Islander flag, have a picnic. Celebrate Marbo Day. Celebrate it as part of the uh, great 10 days or the great week that bookends um, Reconciliation Week. National Sorry Day, the 26th of May, a commemoration day, Marbo Day. 3rd of June, celebration. Happy Marbo Day, and if you can't make it this year, there'll be something on next year and the year after and the new year after. Until the treaty is signed, we will continue to celebrate that journey towards the signing of a treaty between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians and the healing of that festering sore that exists between both communities in our society. Now, talking about festering sores... Now, there are great plans to privatise the public housing sector in Melbourne. It's a continuing issue, and I'll speak more about that next week. But I'd like to remind people that the Victorian Greens have made a commitment to oppose the Andrews government's public housing renewal program and to block that legislation in the Legislative Council. Now, the planning minister 
wants to assume planning powers to knock down these housing units and walk-ups and replace them with a private-public partnership where 10% of... uh, 10% of anything that's built will go to the public sector, but actually not to the public sector, but to the community and social housing sector, and these will be managed by the community and social housing sector, and the rest will be prime real estate for the private sector. Think about it. Prime real estate. You build a few substandard public housing units, which are managed by the privately owned community and affordable housing sector, social housing sector, in which eventually titles will be transferred to them, and you get all this beautiful free land, and you can make all this buck. Well, we want people, let's defend and extend public housing, we want people to contact the Victorian members of the Legislative Council. The Victorian members of the Legislative Council and members of the Reason Party block block this legislation, then this will not be a fait complete before the next election. As you know, our policy here has been very simple. We know that if the Liberal National Party wins power in Victoria or if the Labor Party wins power, wins back power in Victoria, that public housing is finished in the state of Victoria. This is one way to delay that destruction of the public housing sector. So hopefully the next 24 hours, we'll have, or the next 24 hours, we'll have something up on the Defend and Extend Public Housing Facebook page, which you can use. But it's it's essential that you uh, contact these people in order to block this attempt to privatise what's left of the uh, public housing sector in this country. You're listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, I like to read fairy stories. And I'll tell you why. Because we're always told fairy stories. Now, currently, the uh, Minister for... Or the Attorney General, not the Minister, the Federal Attorney General, one of the most powerful members of this government has made a stunning announcement. And a stunning announcement is, is they're going to merge the family court with the federal circuit court. Bingo, because the family court is not working. Well, so they say. And especially the appeals division of the family court. This is classic. Classic fake news. Classic intellectual Garbage. Classic lying. If you lie often enough, people will believe you. Classic. This is a classic. Now, the family court can't do its job. It is a specialised court that looks at some of the most delicate issues possible because it's not financed and because judges aren't reappointed. It's that simple. And this is government policy. This is federal government policy. 
to run an organisation to the ground, then point to that organisation and say it's not functioning adequately and then abolish that organisation. We've seen this with Medicare, where Medicare is a concept of providing universal health insurance for every Australian is becoming tattered at the edges and rotten at the core because of the government embargo on financing Medicare. We see it with the emerging National Disability Insurance Scheme, which everybody loves to jump up and down about. But And the core of the problem is when you've got to process over 400,000 applications, if you don't have the staff who are permanent staff public servants to process those applications, you are going to get problems. And when the government puts a lid on the amount of staff that can be employed in order to slow down the system, in order to save money, you can see the strategy. It's very simple. Legal aid, community legal services, same thing. Any organisation which provides a public service in this country is in the gun sites of the Liberal National Party. This is what the privatisation virus is about. If you can't sell something or you can't give it away, well, then what you do is if it provides a public service, you try to destroy it by withholding funding, by making unsubstantiated allegations about why they're not delivering a particular service. Medicare public housing, public roads. The list goes on and on and on and on. Starve the organisation, get rid of it. NDIS, it's a strategy, it is a tactic. Centrelink is the last one, where more and more Centrelink services are being outsourced to the private sector. Think about it. Now, Centrelink does have a charter. And that's why I enjoy reading fairy stories. It has a charter. But how can you implement a charter if you privatise sections of it, if you refuse to apply the resources necessary to provide the services? What can you expect from Centrelink? This is their service commitments. Respect. We will listen and work with you to understand your individual and cultural needs. Quality information. We are committed to providing a consistent and accurate information, honesty and integrity. We will be open and honest and follow through on our commitments. This means we'll be accountable for our actions, acknowledge mistakes and take timely corrective action, do what we say we will do. And it goes on and on. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Obviously, you want to destroy a public organisation, what you do is you don't fund it. It is government policy. Liberal National Party, federal government policy and policy which has been taken up by many state Labor governments to destroy services which are community-owned, community-funded in order to allow the private sector to take them over and destroy them. It happens every time. Family Court, Medicare, 
National Disability Insurance Scheme. And it goes on and on and on and on. You've been listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Scar. I've been hosting today's program. Yeah, the program is podcast, unfortunately. You can access it whenever you like. Can you do me a favour? Don't access it when you're in the toilet, okay? Somebody told me they like to listen to me in the toilet, and I said, why? And they said, so we can flush your opinions down the toilet. And I thought, that is very creative, so not the toilet, please. You can write to us. Yes, we do answer letters when we get one, occasionally. Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. You can leave informed comments on 0439 395 489 and the occasional ill-informed comment will accept. You can look at the web pages anarchistmedia.org. Pibci, public interest before corporate interest, pibci.net. Look at the Facebook page, Defend and Extend Public Housing. Interested in Marbo Day? Interested in knowing what's going on on Marbo Day? Uh, what the Alan Jose Memorial Foundation has organised for Marbo Day, Sunday the 3rd of June? Go to the Facebook page, Alan Jose, J-O-S-E, Memorial Foundation. Want to see what the Peter Norman Commemoration Committee is up to? Go to the Peter Norman Commemoration Committee Facebook page. Want to find out what's happening with the Tanaminaway Morbohini Commemorations? Once again, it's there. Tons of stuff there for your access. Stop complaining. Get up. Turn off the TV. Turn off your internet. Turn off your mobile phone. There is a bit of sunshine out there. Get out there. Get active. Get involved. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the, via the courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week, next week, on your local community radio station. And if you're a Victorian listener, don't forget, 3CR Radio Fund, $15,000, Wednesday the 13th of June. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This is Joseph Toscano signing off. I will not see you unless you come to the Conjo Ethiopian Restaurant or one of the many activities that we, uh, uh, we've organised. Remember that restaurant, 20 Smith Street, every Wednesday, 6pm in Collingwood. Listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station next week. Minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds Oh, Lord, yeah.